Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 321. My name is Graham William Elwood. <laughs> and I am Christopher J. Mancini. Won't give up the milk. No, all right, it's John. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is good to be here with you guys. We got a lot of movies we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Money Monster, High Rise, Sunshine Superman, and some interesting trailers, uh, Assassin's Creed, the BFG, and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime yeah, Walk. really good trailers to talk about. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, well, let's get into the biggest news. Yes. Uh, we put it all on social media last week, but just in case you guys haven't seen it, Ear- Earbuds is doing its world premiere at the San Francisco Documentary Festival. Uh, we have two screening days, June 4th, uh, which is in the afternoon. That's a Saturday, I believe, or like 4.15 or 4.30. And then June 7th, which is a 9 o'clock, I think, screening. Um, we'll be there for both. We'll be there for both. We'll do We're gonna- Q&As. We're going to be in San Francisco that whole time between the 4th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get in on the 4th and we leave on the 8th. So um, we're going to be checking out a lot of festivals and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, also what I like, too, is there's individual tickets for sale. You don't have to like buy a pass to the festival. You could just come to a screening. It's the Roxy Theater, which is mm-hmm. – I, I was looking at it online. It's this old theater that was built in like 1909 or something. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Um Obviously, if you guys have never – those of you who have never seen the movie, this is your chance. If you saw it at PodFest last year – that was kind of a rough cut. So it's, this is the fully finished color corrected sound mix, original music with the, it's, it's, this is the film. It's done. It's done. (laughs) Um, so we're so excited, um, to be, this is a pretty prestigious documentary festival. It's been around for about 15 years. And, you know, if you're in the Bay area, please, please come out. We want to see you there. And we also want to show the festivals because the, all the festival programmers talk, right? So if they know, like, oh, here's a movie that has a fan base and these people come out to see it, uh, the, the word it'll will get help, up. Yeah, it'll help get us programmed into other festivals. Yeah, and you guys get to see it. And like I said, we'll be there and we'll do a Q&A. We're trying to see. And there's an Audience Choice Award. We could, yeah. uh, you know, we could angle to get that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> we got we to gotta stuff the ballot box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Chicago, so vote yeah. early and vote often if you have any dead relatives <laughs> that can register to vote. Yeah. <laughs> You know, practice your ballot stuffing before you yeah, get to San Francisco. Yeah, we can maybe work on some ghost payroll. Yeah. We'll do it old school. Um, so yeah, that 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 uh, is so cool. We're we're so pumped for that. Um, and we have a sponsor this week. Oh, yep, touchofmodern.com. Dude, dude. And uh, Father's Day's coming up, so you guys definitely want to check out touchofmodern.com. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff that you could actually get for dad. In fact, there's a certain. Um, I think there's certain sections that they set up just for like Father's Day coming up. It's like whatever kind of dad, you know, the the dapper dad, the technological dad, whichever one you can uh, click onto these different categories and get some cool stuff. But I see you looking at bike shoes right now. Well, they've been, so I ride my bike a lot. They Mm -hmm. have um, urban cycling shoes and I haven't seen any like this. So so it's, so basically. They're shaped like a pedal. (laughs) No, Chris, they're not. Um, Chris doesn't understand how bicycles work. Um, yeah, so it's like skiing. You, you know, you just yeah. You don't. Know, Chris doesn't know what he's talking about. At all. Go to the Touch of Modern website and you can actually look and see photos of yeah. these. shoes. You don't even need a bike with these shoes. Yeah. Again, I'm not normally an improv. I would go yes and, but he doesn't know what he's talking out of his asshole. So I don't want to. So I. I don't want to confuse all the uh, bikers that might need shoes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Don't listen to Chris Manzini and go to touchofmodern.com because they have these cool – so so obviously you've seen bike shoes and they're these very hard – and they're for like if you're like a 
hardcore cyclists that you go riding 20, 30 miles out of the day. But what they've started to make, and these are the coolest looking ones I've ever seen, because I've seen some at like REI that are just sort of look like regular like athletic shoes, like cross trainers or something. And then mm-hmm. on the bottom, there's the thing that hooks into the special pedal. Right. So you got to get special pedals. So these guys have ones that look like vans or they look like skateboard shoes. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking to get a pair of these because I do, a, I don't go so on. They, they hook into special pedal. Yeah. And then they do dope testing. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> do all this. No. For cycling. <laughs> now these skateboard shoes. Now they're in the shape of a skateboard. Yeah, right. So it turns so your cool. it turns your it turns your bicycle into a skateboard, <laughs> and you ride around like the future ones, like in uh, Back, Back to, to the, the Future, future? Three oh, or perfect. whatever. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So hopefully, there's some cyclists listening to this that can navigate through the idiot bullshit <laughs> from Chris and our guest <laughs> and understand that these are really cool shoes. Um, so I'm going to get a pair and they're on sale. They're, these are, this is cause I've been looking to buy these shoes, but they're all right. like a hundred some dollars on right. touch of modern. They're like 45 between 40 and 50 some bucks. Um, they've got high top ones. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be a break dancer from the eighties right. <laughs> um, and you have to buy them separately too. You can't get two. You have to buy the left one and then the right one so you could mix and match. Again, don't listen. Chris Mancini is making zero sense. Touch a Modern is like any other shoe store. You get both of the, the right and the left together. Like So, so uh, yeah, go to touchamodern.com. Block Chris Mancini on all your social media because he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm, I know what the pair I'm going to, I'm going to get, what this, color are you going to get? Gonna You're going to get the high tops? No, I'm going to get the black and turquoise mm-hmm. lace up sneaker. This is my guy. I'm getting them right now. This is amazing. The other thing you could get too, as I was looking through touch of modern, they always have a uh, really cool artwork and it's always specific. There's always a section of star Wars artwork, but it's cool things. It's like, it's, it's either distressed artwork or it's, uh, like what I love, like the blueprint stuff. They have a lot of cool Star Wars blueprint stuff, and um, some of that rotates in and out, but there's always something Star Wars in the art department, so you can always check out like a cool print or a, uh, uh, there's a lot of Banksy stuff out there right now, there's too. There's also sexy lingerie. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything, like, something for everyone. There's sexy mm-hmm. lingerie. So. For your bike. Yeah, so, so. wear some sexy, <laughs> get a negligee and your magical shoes yes. that turn into a bicycle or yes. whatever. And, and, and Banksy will come and do a... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, papering. Of okay. the <laughs> uh, and the cool thing is, there's no subscription. Nope. You just go to touchamodern.com. You put in your email address. You sign up. Everyone uh, is included in the club. Yeah, and if no ref- entry fee or anything. Yeah, and if you refer a friend, you get twenty bucks. Yeah, you can get a little taste. Yeah, so refer a bunch of friends, and uh, maybe get together and get some shoes and some negligee. Yep, you could bring your whole bike coven. So. <laughs> Because <laughs> cyclists are witches. They are absolutely like witches. Bring a bike coven with your weird cloven hooved feet that you have to strap into your magical shoes. Wow, this is great. So thanks, guys. So go to touchofmodern.com. So, all right, let's introduce our oh, guest. Let's introduce him. He's from a bike coven. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, our guest, who's been on the show before, it was several years ago. Uh, and also, we worked with him a lot on different movie projects, um, all sorts of different things, video stuff. You know, we, Tim's always around. Tim's always around. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We've known each other since college. He was uh, one of the 
you know, he and I basically did Afghanistan together, uh, along with Hello Junkie. One of the founding members of Fancy Ketchup. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> A sketch comedy <laughs> defunct. Um <laughs> Outlawed, uh, <laughs> outlawed sketch comedy troupe. Right, um, Mr. Tim Bennett, ladies and gentlemen, who brought a jar of a, a mason jar of green uh, smoothie. We have no idea what it is. I love that Graham Elwood with his samurai teas <laughs> made from ginseng and scarab is commenting on my delicious, nutritious jar of green smoothie product. <laughs> Okay, let's clarify this. <laughs> so first of all, yes, I make vegan smoothies all the time. Mm -hmm. I got this new blender that has like a single shot thing. So I'll show up here with the, oh, you see it and you go, oh, there's a guy that made a smoothie in a blender. Tim mm -hmm. shows up in this weird frontiersman <laughs> hillbilly moonshine jar with some sort of green. Algae. Algae. <laughs> and he, it's not like in his bag. It's a giant. It's a th 32 ounce jar did he just present it that he presented as he walked into the door he put it forward as though there were horns to introduce it like bum 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 yeah like we're introducing like we should get another microphone for the jar <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where you guys come from but i practice hospitality <laughs> i'm a guest i bring a gift <laughs> the no the one soul of my enemy <laughs> So, and yes, I held aloft the jar when yes, I said that. It's an amazing jar of green stuff. Um, but this is a, th a long-time tradition between Tim and I. We're both <laughs> weirdos, and we love making fun of each other for stuff that we already kind of do. Uh, like, I had a bunch of earthquake and survival gear in my car and house, and Tim was, like, making re relentlessly making fun <laughs> of me. This is after 9-11. I sort of lost it and was like, I got I became a Red Cross volunteer. And then, of course, like, a week later, I'm at his house, and he's got, like, a solar-powered radio that you can hand crank. And I'm like, <laughs> so this is sort of classic. We're both... Vegetarian yeah. weirdos, survivalists, survivalist, survivalist <laughs> yeah, survivalist nuts. So mm. separate so. bunkers, though. Yeah, <laughs> we, we tried. We tried living together. Mm. It doesn't work. We can't live together. But we were roommates. That is true. Several mm -hmm. times, two different occasions. We were roommates once, twice in Chicago. But yeah. from now on, separate and, bunkers is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then when I had a place in the valley with a little studio yeah. guest house, he lived back there. Right. That was when we really got into the bunkering. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember asking you when you sold the house. I said, uh, you know, like, I'm getting a place in Santa Monica. I said, oh, I said, oh, is Tim coming with you? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you went, nope, Tim's going to move on his own steam from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Tim started his own kombucha farm business. Right. <laughs> you make your own kombucha. I do, in fact. I make my own kombucha. Mm -hmm. All kinds of And you brewing. made up that word. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I make my own kombucha, my own razzmatazz. <laughs> Gibbledy flibbledy, I've got some of that brewing right now in the bunker. You brought a jar of gibbledy yes. flibbledy. <laughs> got some oh. of that. So this is a Dr. Seuss smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> it's made oh. with a basil smoothie. It looks fanrageous. <laughs> um... All right, let's All talk right, about let's some goddamn movies. Now, Money Monster, Christ. you saw... I didn't get a chance to see this movie. I did want to see it. I think I was the only one that thought it might be good, so I'm really um, curious to hear your reaction on this movie. It was... Um, 
All right. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> it was, all right. You see the trailer and you're like, oh, George Clooney, Julia Roberts, and it's directed by Jodie Foster. Right. And it is just the most average wow. <laughs> movie I've ever watched in my life. Because those, especially Julia Roberts and George Clooney, are such engaging actors to watch. Mm. They keep it interesting. But it's so very... It's just like if it starred anyone else, I wouldn't have gone near it. You but, know, it's interesting because the it's a little trivia. The screenplay was on the 2014 blacklist of great unproduced scripts. Yeah, because all right. So what it is is it's taking one of these like money guru guys that's on CNN, like that one guy, Jim Cramer. Yeah, he yells yeah. or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and so so he's a gimmicky guy. And you, see, this is all from. He's morally tr- bankrupt, by the way. Sure. Yeah, all these guys. All these <laughs> Jim guys. Jim Cramer. Are. Yeah. Um, and they just tell people, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And then, and then of course, uh, George Clooney is held hostage by a guy that took his advice and lost a lot of money. And, and oh, it's a big corporate cover-up and everything. So there's no, but the thing is, that's the problem. There's no new information. This fictitious company that lied about something to manipulate its stock price. Did they call it like Falliburton? Yeah. 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 Morgan and Flerns yes. <laughs> or whatever. So it's, 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 it's supposed to be this scathing indictment of Wall Street and the bank industry. And, and it's just sort of like, yeah, I know. We got it. We all we all went through this, and it's it just sort of did it have like another layer of like a conspiracy on top of it, or was there? Yeah, it it tried to put that in there, which mm. was just sort of like tedious. Was it kind of felt tacked on? It felt very tacked on. The whole movie was just sort of like you guys know the recession hit in two thousand and eight, right? Like we all, all there's been all this fallout. We all got it. Like, I mean. Watch the Adam McKay movie that came out. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> but I think that that's why these movies are being made now. And I think it, it, uh, I, I think there's a, there, there are several movies either in the works or coming out or, that are either that are, I mean, there's some speculative fiction stuff and there's some, there's some uh, stuff based on, I think this may have been sort of loosely based on something right. that happened in the eighties uh, in Chicago, I think. And then they use that to, to sort of displace it today. But I think that there, I think that the, the um, fallout of 2008 Everything was swept under the rug and has been since then. We, you know, we have this like manufactured and completely manipulated uh, concepts of the unemployment uh, statistics and all of those kinds of things. And people are, you know, who rebounded was Wall Street, of course. You know, because they got bailed out and they can make their own rules. Right? Mm -hmm. They immediately did well. You know, and it's and, and and we're you know I think that you're starting to see a lot of this stuff happen, whether it, whether whether it's working or not yet. And I mean, obviously, with the with McKay's uh, Big Short, it did. It was fantastic. Yeah, and it won an you Oscars yes, and stuff yeah. like that. But I think you're going to start to see a lot of this, and maybe not so much the kind of like like these kind of things, but some of the other things we're going to talk about today are actually about the class struggle. And uh-huh. I think you're starting to see a lot of like stuff about the class struggle in films because it's not being kind of talked about anywhere else well no and, and I, it's a good point what you yes. the, the the intention of the film is great it just was it just wasn't executed yeah. that well yeah. that was the problem is like is like you're right i mean you can make the 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 trump supporters and the bernie sanders supporters can we just say right now that 
Jodie Foster is an overrated director. For sure, man. She's not that great. Of a, I mean, that's the other thing. Because I did the same. I was like, oh, yeah, Jodie Foster. And then I'm like looking at her, her her list of IMDb films. And I'm like, oh, she's, she's you know, she's a good actress. But her, her uh, yeah, the, the films she's directed are not that. I mean, like The Beaver, Home for the Holidays. You know, she did she did some episodes of House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. Those are good shows. But like Little Man Tate, I, 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 any of those movies, do you go, oh, shit. Oh, that one. Home for the Holidays. Yeah. Man, <laughs> that was the one. So, so like. <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. So, I mean, what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, like not getting into Trump or Bernie Sanders policies, but but it has been talked about and it's valid that that. There is so much distrust and disdain and frustration that that's where it's that's that's an example of these two groups doing it very differently. Yep. <laughs> but because it is, it, it does need to be talked about, and and like I'm glad the Big Short was made, um, and and I wanted this movie, but this movie just felt more just like a kind of standard. Sp- by the numbers, by Hollywood the spring release, like and yeah. also like star driven. Like, well, here are the, here are these stars that are in this movie. This is why you should go see it. Yeah, I mean, well, George Clooney's playing a dick. He's playing an asshole, so that's kind of interesting because he's usually playing the the good guy. But what were you going to say, Tim? I was going to say two of the stars in my movie are in the Money Monster, so you oh. should go see it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that for a second. But yes. I mean, so so like, there's there's interesting scenes. I mean, Julia Roberts, you know. She's the director of this show, and all of a sudden, they set up very quickly. She's the director. She's going to be leaving, and you know she has to kind of babysit George Clooney, who's a who's a kind of a jackass prima donna. And they had barely any screen time together. Barely, right? any, yeah. According to this, you know they were they weren't on screen. She was she was shot her scene separately with green screen. Basically, they just green screen in Clooney stuff. Um, because these two people are crazy famous and they're crazy busy and they can just say those, make those requests and that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not, they're so, they're so good. It's noticeable. She's talking him through, he's got an IFB. She, he's got an earpiece in. So she's talking him through this on how to deal with this guy. And that's compelling. And how George Clooney deals with that, watching him, he wants to be this arrogant Jim Cramer dick. And oh, there's a guy with a gun to your head, and you're, it makes you wear a dynamite vest. So maybe dial your ego asshole bullshit down a couple notches. And Julia Roberts is managing. So those are very compelling. That the, but but it's just the story and the and the writing is just sort of it it, it just it, by the numbers. It's very by the numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like uh, you know we should start our new uh, you know we should make this like an official rating system and be like <laughs> watch this on a plane or on right? DVD or VOD. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. wish I wouldn't have seen it because I would have been like, oh, this would be great to pass two hours on a plane. Yeah. Right. But you, going you, to a theater, I was like, oh man, this is a big undertaking for this. Not worth <laughs> yeah. it. Not yeah. worth yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Not worth it. Um, All right. So let's talk about Tim. You saw a film, a documentary called Sun, Sun- Sunshine Superman. That uh, is about what? It's about base jumping and the sort of birth of the sport of base jumping and the dude who uh, whose name is escaping me right now. But is uh, it really a sport? Is it like? Uh, well, it's uh, it, it, it's an it's an athletic. Uh, endeavor. Yeah, it's an athletic endeavor. Uh, Mm. I I mean, like we could have lots of uh, debates as to what qualifies as sports. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Is there a commission? um, (laughs) (laughs) There might be. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, so it's so, about this guy, Carl, who's the father of base jumping. Yeah, Carl's and base the, stands for building antenna. Uh, span, meaning bridge, bridge I yeah. guess, or something along those lines. And, and uh, uh, I just jumping up. off of your own ego. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and this, this guy was, uh, he was in his... Uh, Eccentric fellow. <laughs> no, really? The guy that's invented jumping off of a... Uh, who took up parachuting, and that wasn't enough for him. Mm-hmm. And he you know, and he had done you know, something like 400 uh, uh, jumps out of, out of planes, and he needed to, um, to escalate that to something else. And so he got into uh, uh, jumping off of cliffs and buildings. At the time in Los Angeles, there were a lot of uh, buildings going up, so he... And his uh, and his group uh, started started jumping going, off them. Jump, jumping off them. He was wow. a filmmaker, and so he and he invented all of this amazing uh, um, equipment for for filming uh, jumping off jumping buildings. off. Well, jumping in general. So wow, he had, so he had, he had been going around to like schools and libraries and that kind of thing, showing his little sixteen millimeter films uh, to uh, anyone who was interested in in that kind of. Thing and trying to promote both the sport and the filming filmmaking of it. So he invented not only an extreme or action sport, but he invented kind of the processes that you know uh, get us to uh, GoPro now. Yeah, yeah. That basically, yeah, led led to GoPros and that kind of thing. Uh, I I think it was I, I'm 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 fascinated with all of those kinds of things and like why we do stuff like that. I watched nothing but adventure documentaries, <laughs> sailing around the world, and you know uh, uh, squirrel suit stuff, and and um, uh, I, I I don't know what is so compelling about it, but there is something about that, like that, like pushing yourself to the limit that keeps, you know, that I just love watching people do that. And usually they're lunatics. Yeah. yeah because that, that, that is, that is the compelling thing about, about what you always got to ask yourself, what type of person says, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Like yeah. just skydiving in general. Like I did that once when I was 18 and it was insane. And I can't imagine Tandem. like, Somebody I was I was on a uh, static line, mm-hmm. so you jumped out and the chute automatically pulled. Yeah, and we um, held hands. Yeah, <laughs> tandem. Call it what you want. Yeah, yeah. Tim had a jar well, of green like, weirdo stuff. When, when you have like those those man versus nature shows, it's like or man versus the wild, whatever mm-hmm. they're called. Yeah. You know, you don't want to see a sane person in those shows. You want to see like some guy who drops himself into the middle of the woods naked and has to survive. Well, because we did that too, yeah. Tim. You and I went. We went bungee jumping jumping, like 20 some years ago. A little bungee. A little bungee. And we were like, thought it was, we were like, yeah, because our whole thing was, we got, well, we got to do this. What was that B A S or E? Was that span? (laughs) That's base. Off of uh, base? It didn't, yeah, because you're you're tethered, so it doesn't quite count. Right? (laughs) We were pussies. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, this, the way that this guy, he was, he was fearless in general and fearless in the way he, you know, had a few screw loo- screws loose, but the way he filmed things is on a filmmaking level, mm-hmm. you watch the, the links that he went to, to get the shots that he wanted that are so captivating and that, that are so dangerous to just get those shots. You know, it's, it, it, it uh, it's almost like his filmmaking is more remarkable than the film being made about him and his filmmaking. <laughs> 
but I loved it both. And I actually it came just on the other side of watching a thing about the, the, the guys who started to do free climbing up El Capitan. And, and, and there, there are two things that are sort of uh, related because he started doing a lot of jumps off of uh, El Capitan as well. Wow. So they, they came, it was in this time in the late 70s, mid to late 70s, where there was, you know, there was these kind of burnout dropouts who, who maybe didn't want to become surfers, so they became free climbers, base jumpers. What's free uh, climbing? Now, free climbing is when you, uh, you climb cliffs uh, unassisted. Now, oh. there's different levels of it. There's also free soloing, which is completely no ropes. Uh, so you, you have no tether, so you're just oh climbing with your, with your strength, uh, strength of character, and your strength of, of, uh, of, of form. Uh, and there, I, I mean, it's, you know, you take your life in your hands. Yes. And people die all the time doing any of this stuff, you know, it's, and they know, I, I think that's part of it. That, 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 yeah. That's part, part of the thrill. Yeah. That's part of the thing is yeah. like, I could die and I want to push yeah. myself and then put myself in a position of where, like, these are all people who have kind of said, thanks. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out of, I'm out of regular society. Yeah. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to live in this. You know, in this world where I got to have a job and pay bills, and they just sort of everything is about yeah. that. And they they, they lived at, at, at uh, Yosemite in this campground, and they all just like and they were like digging in the trash and eating. I mean, they were hobos. They were hobos mm-hmm. that just free climbed. So let me ask um, you about this film. So Mara Strach was the director. She's yes. done a couple of docs. Um, how, like as a film and as storytelling, how well? Oh, it? it's great. It's very you know, it's it's really. Uh, um, uh, it, I, I mean, one thing I really love is 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 documentaries that use the archival source material really well, and there was a lot to choose from here. <laughs> so you were able to sort of like it didn't just rely on kind of talking heads, mm-hmm. and that I mean there are talking heads, and it does move the story along. But there's so much footage and so much uh, amazing footage that I yeah, it really uh, it, it's a compelling documentary. Oh, cool. Yeah, you you know. If it were in theaters, I would say go watch it. I think right, it's just, because I think it's on Netflix or Amazon. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, Sunshine right. Superman. So I saw High Rise, and I was excited to see this movie because it was again a class warfare type of thing, uh, basically a, a '70s science fiction story starring Loki, Tom Hiddleston, who is actually a, an excellent actor, um, and it was also based on a novel. And the rights to the film were purchased in 1975, and it took four decades to get made. Um, it wow. should have taken four more. So, <laughs> not a good movie. Oh, and no. it was a shame, because it was one of those movies I really wanted to like. So, it, it's interesting how, you know, we try to go into movies with neutral expectations. A lot of times, we can't. You know, we have higher expectations, we're fans, or whatever, and also, we have expectations that sometimes are like, you know what, I, I'm excited to see this. All it has to do is really be kind of mediocre, and I'll be happy. And this movie was not. It was completely weird and convoluted. Like, it was a, uh, it's Blue Velvet meets Snowpiercer, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but instead of the train, it's, you know, the high rise. You know, the higher floors are where the, uh, um, the rich people and quote, you know, Jeremy Irons as the architect who lives, mm-hmm. who puts it together and he's building all these other high rises around this area. And, you know, but there's all these weird things like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a supermarket in the middle that everyone shops at and everything goes to shit. But 
it kind of all goes to shit like in a weird random way <laughs> like there's not a lot of reason why it all kind of goes to shit and every scene doesn't really match the scene before it it's like this weird fever dream of like uh a movie with no coherence or uh, any sort of forward progression. So, it, you know, it starts off where everything's gone to shit and you see like Tom Hiddleston is like, you know, this weird tribal warfare thing. He's still living in his apartment, but everything's been destroyed. And then you kind of go, you know, blah, 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 months later or what, earlier. And then you start to see, but then you never really see like the story, like how this kind of happened. And it's, got these weird like disturbing images of it like like he's a uh, psychiatrist so you know there's him of like uh, dissecting a head like uh like a human head like taking the skin off the brain and then like oh it was it was disgusting and then they keep flashing back to it towards um, montages. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. He's losing his mind. We don't need to see you open up, you know, the human <laughs> head and skull every five right. minutes in a montage. Um so it's really it's poorly written, it's poorly directed, and like it's I think it's J D Ballard, I J. believe, not J G Ballard, and which is interesting when you see his other um, bodies of work. Like he doesn't have a ton of novels under his belt, but he wrote Empire of the Sun that Spielberg made into oh, a right. film, uh, but but also which is like oh yeah, and then you go. And he also wrote Crash, yeah, the not the good Crash, the David Cronenberg oh. one where people. Uh, um, get off on car crashes and sexually aroused. I would go the other way yeah. and say that the Cronenberg one is the good one and the, and the Haggis one. And I always wanted to see in the Haggis one they got off. It's like a it's like about race and class yeah. in Los Angeles, but they also get off on on car a car crashes. crash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I it's I mean I the the way you're describing everything about it makes me want to see that movie. <laughs> uh, I love J.G. Ballard, and I, I read the novel. Uh, I was really into transgressive fiction a while ago. I'm, I'm sure. I haven't read the novel, but I can guarantee you it makes more sense than this movie. No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and that's sort of what I loved about it. And, and I remember when Snowpiercer came out going, I wonder if they kind of read this novel too <laughs> um it's very snowpiercer in its sort of class uh, right. uh, warfare setup um but it's also set in 70s england so you think like one cop shows up to the door after like you know there's blood and bodies yeah. and broken everything's getting destroyed and you know the architect just happens to be at the door who you know runs everything and is like well nothing here that can't be swept under the rug thinking okay well the cops are paid off or whatever but you'd think eventually somebody might show up to see what's going on. Right. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of like, right. um, but it, it was, it was also one of those things where the production design was interesting where yes, it's science fiction. Here's like a highly modernized high rise, but it's also, everyone has like seventies mutton chops and seventies hair cars. Yeah. And, and uh, so it was, uh, I, I really think it was um, <laughs> a mess. I, I really, like I said, I wanted to like it, but it, it the movie just didn't get there. It's like like even like the themes and stuff it, they were done in such a weird random and haphazard and ham-handed way we like we've already seen this done better already so you know show me something different or, or more interesting way and it, it does the opposite it shows me in an, uh, either a convoluted or mundane or boring way and I will say though even Tom Hiddleston 
amazing to watch, even in like a uh, in a movie like this where they're, you're, they're they're not even sure. I don't even think he was sure what to do in this from scene to scene. <laughs> you could see he looked a little. Uh, I think well, I'll just do this in this scene. Like he felt like he was kind of directing himself from scene to scene. Uh, but he's always interesting to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh we got another uh, spare men coming yes, in we do. Um, with uh, Josh Wolf. He's mm-hmm. actually going to talk about Cool Hand Luke and mm-hmm. Paul Newman as a classic uh, Hollywood um, icon. Icon. So let's listen to that now. Hello. Hey, Graham. How are you? It's Josh Wolf. Hey, Josh. What's up, buddy? What uh, movie do you want to talk about? Uh, listen, I recently watched Cool Hand Luke again. Oh, I love that movie. I have to tell you. It's for me. I think top ten movies for me of all time. Oh yeah, but but mostly it made me happy and sad at the same time. I'm gonna tell you why. Because look, I'm a huge Paul Newman fan, mm-hmm. uh, and to me, like Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, like those guys were movie stars, right? Right. And I don't. It makes me sad that I don't know. We're running out of movie stars, like. What I liked about movie and, and look, I know there are a lot of guys who are great in movies, but I don't want to see you do a five-minute YouTube video with Jimmy Kimmel, and I don't want to see your, <laughs> you know, I don't want to see your Instagram with going out a birthday cake with your kid. You're a movie star. There has to be some mystery. It's why I love Jack Nicholson, and even like Leonardo DiCaprio, they don't do a ton of interviews. You don't you don't see them doing, you know, a, a funny Snapchat. They're movie. No. That's the thing that was great, too, about Paul Newman. Like, he just was like a race car driver. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was his hobby. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and he did not really care so much about Hollywood, and he wasn't that accessible. It's a, it's a Robert Redford, too, but, like, I think the state of movie star in that, where there's still a little mystery around them, is, is going away, don't you think? Yeah, it is going away a little bit. I mean, you see some... You see some you know, George Clooney and, and, and Brad Pitt a little bit and Tom Hanks, but it's just sort of, it's such a different era with the technology. Like, but Clooney's I, doing his, he's doing TV commercials for tequila. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and Brad Pitt did that commercial for that cologne. Right. I mean, that's right. any allure I had for Brad Pitt that it was gone as soon as he did that, whatever that was. Yeah. Just, so that's what, like, there's no, separation and and i think that's what what there was a separation between tv and movies because of that because movie people were like we are we're better than you we're movie stars and i think it's it's a it's an excellent point you bring up because it's it's sort of the power of a movie like cool hand luke here's this huge glitzy shiny movie star playing just a convict you know and and then you've got great support with George Kennedy and obviously the classic, you know, the, the, the prison war. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Like, And so you're seeing big, shiny Paul Newman is just a regular guy that's a fuck-up. You know? Yeah, and I think it was the first time I remember thinking, I can't believe he died. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm spoiling Cool Hand Luke. Go shoot yourself. But I'm just, I'm saying, like, like I can't believe, like, that was, it, it, that movie was so good on so many levels. And I like smaller 
simpler film sometimes that that where they they put the onus on the actor not not the thing that they're going to blow up on the screen mm. not the giant monster they put the onus on the actor to keep you interested and he was so imminently watchable at all times no matter what he was doing Mm-hmm. He, that dude was a movie star. You know? Well, that that movie is such a great thing because you're saying it's so driven by Paul Newman. It's such a character piece, and even when he's just like laying in a bunk bed with the other inmates, it's it's intriguing, you know, which is yeah, why it's, yeah. it still stands up. There's there's a certain amount, and I'm gonna throw a word out here that you can Google later, Graham. <laughs> um, there's a there's a certain amount of gravitas that he brings with him whenever he's on screen that you know and, and I guess that's what makes a movie star is that gravitas that that somebody who who's so watchable no matter what they're doing at all times well you yeah know? i mean that's the that's what oh but that's what makes him that's what made him Paul Newman and that's what was great but Josh thank you so much for calling in on the spare minute and talking about cool hand luke yeah Graham, no problem and you left your underwear at my house all right, there it was. Josh Wolf uh, doing a doing a spare man. Um, Sometimes nothing's a real cool hand. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I have a failure to communicate. Yeah. Um, but uh, we want to announce too. We're going to be doing uh, a spare man for you guys next Tuesday, May twenty fourth at two p.m. Pacific time. Pacific time. So here's what you got to do. You got to download the spare man app. It's a free app in mm-hmm. uh, in iTunes and I think Android. And then request to talk to me. I'm at Graham. Mm-hmm. And then from two to two forty-five, these calls are five minutes long. You can ask us. We'll both be on the yes. phone. Ask us whatever you want to ask us. Talk movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in five minutes, it cuts you off. Right. So we want you guys as many of you as you can download the app, and we'll do more of these mm-hmm. um, uh, of these these spare min sessions. So yeah, ask us whatever you want. Ask us whatever you want. Download the app. It's spare min. It's in iTunes. So now uh, let's talk about Tim's movie. Yes, uh, Temps. Temps. You know, so, Tim. I, I have to say, I've known you for a long time. Yes, and I know your um, artistic endeavors and what you're involved in. Um, I would say a script for a romantic comedy wouldn't have been the first thing I would have thought of for, um, for let's say, your art, your, your uh, body of work. How did you, how did you, uh, I want to hear the story on how you got involved with this film, because it looks great. I saw the trailer. And uh, how did you get involved with it? Uh, well, I actually wrote the very first draft of it about 24 years ago, uh, I, a little over 24 years I remember years ago. that. Yes. I remember that draft. <laughs> yes, um, in Chicago, uh, as a as a young, strapping young lad. Still uh, quicker to get to the screen than high rise, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is when you were and as much of a mess, <laughs> um, a delightful mess. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, you're saying because I remember you were temping all the time. Yeah, we had just yeah. graduated from school at University of Arizona, yeah. and we were in Chicago trying to do sketch comedy and stand up and all this stuff. And you were temping all the time. I, I was temping all the time. Uh, I, you know, it, it's funny because in the, in, in its original incarnation, the, the temps part of it wasn't a big, wasn't, wasn't that big. It was just sort of, sort of background. Uh, and, uh, as it, as it continued to evolve or devolve uh, over the years, that that became a much more of a, of a thematic kind of thing to to hang on to. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I I wrote it, 
several drafts in Chicago, uh, several permutations throughout the years, and then maybe about 10 years ago, dusted it off and said, you know, I'm going to really like gut this thing, thin it down, make it micro-budget producible. Mm-hmm. And uh, within a few weeks of doing that, I found an ad on Craigslist for somebody that was looking for micro-budget uh, scripts. And uh, and then I looked at, uh, and his name is Ryan Sage, and I looked at his um, uh, some of the things that he had done. Uh, he had he had just finished a movie at that point, um, which who, which the name has changed of the the film, but. Um, uh, a big love story, I think, is what it's called now, and uh, yeah. and and so I, I we connected, and we realized we had actually met a f- maybe a few years before at a television festival where we both had uh, television pilots in the festival, and we worked on it uh, together for maybe about a year, just back and forth, like the play- directions he wanted to go with it, and and I would go off and sculpt it, we would shape it, and then his principal investor didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't think the characters were likable which they weren't <laughs> and uh, and it kind of uh, you know died on the vine and a few years later I was it was like right after New Year's one year I was like you know I'm going to go back in and look at that I couldn't get get rid of it and I started tinkering with it again and about a week later he called and he goes I want to make that movie we got to figure out how to do this and so we worked on it some more for another Six months or so, and and um, and then he ended up making the movie. <laughs> so was it? Did he find another principal investor? Or was it? Did he go back to the same person? I, I, I think he went back to the same person and some other invest some other investors. Uh, uh, he started to, to 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 do the casting for it. They put the pieces together. They started shooting it. I can't remember the dates. I'm sorry. Um, and then. Once he got it in, into the editing room, we realized there were some things that needed help. So we went back and wrote a bunch more. And, uh, and then um, he did a, a round of uh, fundraising via Kickstarter nice. and, and, and finished the film. That and way. and yeah. so then you guys were just up at the San Jose Film Festival. We were at the San Jose, uh, uh, the Cinequest in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great festival. Yeah, it's been around it was forever too. It, it, it was one of the best festivals, if not the best festival I've ever been to. And I really dug San Jose. And that's a great um, little town. Yeah, I've done the San Jose Improv before. It's a really cool. Yeah, it's cool, and it's right. Like all, everything is right on that little strip in downtown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and we, we we were in these, you know, like you were saying, oh, these old theaters, the old, old movie palaces where we had the premiere, and it was just so cool. Was that that cool experience, thing. like, you know, seeing, because, you know, have you, you haven't ever had a feature film that you wrote on a big screen like yeah, that, right? Yeah. Because, like, you know, we co-wrote Hello Junkie, which was cool, but it's a short, and yeah. seeing that on the big screen was a cool experience, but, like, this is, how what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, the whole thing was just such a, 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 a whirlwind <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, there's like red carpet things and, you know, all of that kind of, uh, uh, stuff to, 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 you know, give you that momentary, uh, a glimpse of importance. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, to go into that theater and the curtains part and you're in this movie palace and the curtains are parting and there's your name being projected and the, the film coming up and you're seeing, 
you know, these terrific actors just taking the, the things that you wrote and, and making it their own and, and the things that Ryan did and, and Stephen, the, the, the uh, uh, DP and, the, and the, the music. And you see it all come together in front of an audience and the audience responding to things. They got the joke. They were laughing. Yeah, they were laughing right. and, and, at, at the right moments. And, and you know, it's, and it's a kind of a, a, a film where, where there... There's it, there's a slow burn, and I've I, I what I it, it's funny because because Ryan a few times has mentioned that that he thought that the script that I had originally written was funnier, and I said well maybe not funnier probably jokier, and I go so when we started to strip that away and get a little more real when, then when those jokes land they're really honest and mm-hmm. it's super cool and you right. feel like you've earned that laugh you know and it's let some some tension out or whatever the purpose of that that joke mm-hmm. is in that moment it's helped you know. Uh, it's not just joke, joke, joke. So what's that um, uh, now, after all the kind of evolution of the script, what's like the, uh, uh, what's the premise of the film? Uh, it is about uh, uh, two young people, who, you know, <laughs> two millennials, uh, who uh, are working temp jobs. And they, they, they meet each other working uh, temp jobs. And um, they... Uh, start a kind of relationship that they that they won't define at first but then as one of the, the characters wants to start to define the relationship the other character is feeling like he just wants to live a temporary life and uh you know he all he lives for every year is to go skiing <laughs> and so he works these temp jobs nine months out of the year to go skiing three months out of the year <laughs> Uh, so when things start to get real and serious for him, it's like, he, you know, it's not something that, that, that he envisioned in his plan, you know, and mm-hmm. so it throws everything for uh, a loop. Is the, is, the, is the mirror spitting in the mirror scene still in there from the original script? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Damn it. <laughs> we were roommates. Uh, there is a mirror scene, though, there, and, and it's funny because it was a late well, edition a, and not something that I added, but it's not a spitting in the mirror maybe scene. Maybe it's a, be a deleted scene on the DVD? <laughs> yes. There was a, well, I, well, I'll just tell this story. We were, we were roommates, and I, I was in the bathroom, and I looked, there was like some stain on the mirror. And I was like, it didn't look, usually there's just like, you know, there's the spray or you wash your hands or maybe there's little toothpaste or whatever. It's right. like shaving for like, and I was like, what is this? I go, did you, it looks like someone spit on the mirror. And he was like, what? I go, were you looking at, and you, you, you hate yourself so much? You were like, oops, and spit on your own image and stuff like that, which just made us laugh hysterically. And then you had that in an original yes. version of the yeah. script. I remember reading it years later, and I just was in tears because I was like, oh, God, he just took some of our stupid <laughs> crap of being idiots in our 20s, being roommates. It's a very different film than the original. Sure, it has to that, be, you know, four hundred drafts later or whatever. It's very, but mm-hmm. it, but the remarkable thing to me is there are some some actual scenes that are the same, where very little has changed in them, and that's really crazy and cool to me. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know, well, nine, I'm nine, gonna, let me ask you this: those scenes that haven't changed are they part of the core of the movie? No, they're not. They're no. just uh, like yeah. kind of jokey scenes. Yeah. They're just funny scenes you didn't yeah. want to get yeah. that were funny. You wanted to yeah. keep mm-hmm. in there. So yeah. now, where what's the status of the film? Where can people uh, see well, it? Well, the film is uh, on iTunes right now and Amazon and all of those other places. Uh, we were fortunate to have distribution going into the festival. Uh, it screened in Los Angeles uh, for a week or so and then in New York and, and it's playing some college towns. Uh uh, so check the website, tempsmovie.com. And then you can just find it on iTunes, where last month it was the number one romantic comedy, at least for a little while. Oh, great. That's awesome. Um, 
Temps, Temps, T-E-M-P-S. Excellent. It stars Grant Rosenmeyer, Lindsay Shaw, Reed Ewing, Eden Shearer, um, Chris those, Bauer. Which of those people are in Money Monster? Uh, Chris Bauer and, and Grant Rosenmeyer are both in Money Monster. So check that out, too. Right. Oh, Chris Bauer. He's awesome. He's on The Wire. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Cool. Right. Uh, and I don't think I actually answered your question. About why I, write. I actually do. I, I write a lot of romantic comedies. It's actually really? not. Yeah, it's uh, probably people imagine I just write sort of action comedies or something like that. But um, no, I picture comedies. you uh, just survivalist hillbilly stories. Oh, where, no, where I don't. Oh, that, that's most the majority of what I write is survivalist hillbilly stories uh, that I will never publish. Yeah. You won't get my secrets. <laughs> Um, as long as someone says get off my land in every script <laughs> well yeah Tim and I are going to do a, we're going to do a graphic novel next year Samurai, Samurai Apocalypse Samurai right? Apocalypse excellent so we've already talked about that and even started writing a little bit about that oh very cool um, alright well let's get into some trailers yes, yes. Assassin's out. Creed oh. wow based on the actually very very popular uh, video game which has sold millions and millions of copies. Um, here's the thing when you see this trailer. First of all, um, do, do we need the sci-fi element to it? I mean, these are generally, the games are like period pieces and uh, about assassins in different timelines. And uh, uh, I'm always uh, watching these trailers, like, and Michael Fassbender is in this film. And you know the way he got this film was not him auditioning and going, oh, I hope I get it. There was a rather right. large offer yeah. made to him, and he was like, "I don't know." And then the offer increased, and he's like, "Well, I, you know, I've got I got all these other things going on." The offer increased again, and then he's like, "Okay, I'll do this movie." What is there, 100... He didn't fall in love with the script. He didn't, you know, he didn't. <laughs> none of that happened. But it does look awesome. It looks like it's going to be just a crazy sci-fi action visual effects. With, demo reel like with Fastbender in it yeah so mm-hmm. I, that's more I'm like okay if it wasn't him if it was just some sort of lesser known guy and I'd be like you know, alright you know, it's interesting you could see too with movies like this we all know that Fastbender is a great actor and we've seen him do amazing performances but it's always interesting to see a great actor in a less than mediocre film and to see how even how they end up looking cheesy just because of everything that they're in. Right. Like, like you know, there's crazy CG backgrounds, um, nothing to work with, with a character or dialogue, <laughs> you know, like there's like, there's nothing there for like a, for a good actor to really grab onto. So how do they deal with that? Do they, they try their best. And a lot of times it's, it's going to fall flat because there's no material to work with. So I, even in the trailer, it was like, you see him getting like really serious and angry. I'm like, I don't even know what he's serious and angry about. I tell you this. what, like, I know this video game. I don't think I, I've never really played it, mm-hmm. but it seems like what they do sometimes with video games is they literally just take the name of it and the thinnest of thin aspects of the game and then just go, let's do this. Like it almost, sometimes it feels like someone had a script and they went, then they added Tomb Raider to it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly, you know what I mean? Like they went, well, we can do this, yeah. you know, and yeah. Assassin's Creed has billions of dollars. So 150 million is just like, right. You know, me loaning you 50 bucks for the weekend to right. go have, buy a sandwich or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Speaking of, I'll get you that 50 back. Dude. Yeah. Sorry. I was oh, gonna, no, we wanted a sandwich. I, was, I just oh. wanted a sandwich. Oh, <laughs> I was going to pay you back in weird hillbilly Mason jars. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, all right. The other bury it in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. It'll grow into a tree with magical yeah. power. Yeah. Them revenueers will never get it. <laughs> you know. Now go watch Temps. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, you bring them to the market, all those uh, jar sandwiches. <laughs> TempsMovie.com. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the next trailer is the BFG. Now, Spielberg, uh, Mark Rylance. Spielberg, Mark Rylance as a, it is a kid's movie. And, but, you know, it's based on, um, beloved. Y- you know, a beloved book mm. by um, uh, Roald Dahl. Uh, mm. You know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has written some amazing kids' books. Mm. So I, I will be seeing this with the family, but I think it looks really cool. I'm actually excited to see this. Looks really dumb to me. Yeah. It looks stupid. <laughs> it looks like, hey, the big eat monster and I don't I don't care about any of it. Well, I love the book. Uh so I I will see it. Uh, yeah, I, and I love Steve, Steven Spielberg. He might screw it up because what he might do because doll is very dark and twisted, yes. uh-huh. he might take the teeth out of it. Right. He might not cuz sometimes he'll surprise you and do things mm-hmm. that are really heavy and like cool. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'll see it, you know. All right. All if right. it's good, it'll be in spite of that dumb trailer I just watched. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the next one is Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Now, this is a... Ang Lee movie. <laughs> this is an Ang Lee movie. So, I'll tell you, I love Ang Lee movies if there's not a superhero in it. You know? <laughs> he's, uh, he's, it's really his wheelhouse. Just, you know, grounded human drama is what he does the best i'm intrigued to see this movie because it's Mm -hmm. based on a ben fountain book and it's basically it's about this guy billy lynn and his he was in bravo company in iraq and they Mm -hmm. go through this you know they have to go this into there's this intense battle they go through in iraq and and he's lauded as a hero Mm -hmm. and the book you know very much is is kind of some scathing social commentary about it takes place, the whole story takes place on the day of, it's there. these guys are honored at halftime at Cowboys at Dallas Stadium. Mm-hmm. So, and it, from what it looks like, and this is, I think, how it was done in the book, is it's all, as he's walking on this, this big halftime show, he's flashing back to what got him there. Right. And there's a cool line in the trailer where he's like, I'm being honored for the worst day of my life. You know, because it's like, I guess, you know, whatever, probably a guy, one of his buddies dies in combat or whatever. Firefight. But it's really the book, and I'm curious to see what Ang Lee does with this, and there's not a lot of hints of this in the trailer, except for one scene with Steve Martin, where Steve Martin looks like he's, a politician or someone going, look, son, it's not your story anymore. Because the book is very scathing about, and visually, this is what Ang Lee is doing. As in the trailer, you see it. So the book is very much about this war and these wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, how nobody here knew about it. Like, it didn't affect our daily life. It wasn't like Vietnam where people were getting drafted and there was protests. There were some protests. It wasn't like any of the other wars. Like, it was just... You, these guys were going through this heavy, heavy shit over there and then come back and everyone's just watching reality TV and going to football games. And even the way it's in the trailer, they cut back and forth. So the halftime is this big, bright, glitzy. And then they cut to the dirty brown firefights of 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 Iraq. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a... And, and these guys in the book are on this like victory tour 
you know, and they're propped up and they're taken around and it's- it's, Well, the trailer, they're like walking down the runway with like people dancing around. Yes, there's fireworks and there's a band and there's Mm -hmm. some like sort of, you know, Beyonce, Bruno Mars show happening around them to honor them. And it's very deliberate in the book that it takes place in Texas. Mm -hmm. It's very much of like- Spectacle. Spectacle Mm -hmm. and the like support the troops, but- I'm, that j- all that meant was like a bumper sticker on a fucking SUV, and I don't and a show and a show and a big. We'll give him a big show, yeah. and it well, and and I love that you know Ang Lee, he, he can really do different things, but like even with like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or Life of Pi, the thing that made all those movies amazing was just the human drama at their core. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have like a survival story. There's sure there's animals, or you have great martial arts, but still. It's not what made those movies yeah. so amazing. It was really these relationships and, and the human drama in them. And I really think that he's a good choice for this uh, and, material. And, and I think it, it looks good. It looks good because they cast up kind of a no-name who's this 19-year-old kid mm-hmm. who doesn't know much about life and yet has gone through one of the most intense things that 99.9% of the population will never go through. There's even right. a line in the trailer. It's like, son, you've done stuff that most people will never Mm-hmm. And Kristen Stewart plays until the apocalypse. Until the apocalypse, and we all got to do it <laughs> and drink out of green mason jars. <laughs> um, but like, and and Kristen Stewart's in the trailer, and she plays his sister. Uh, it's a really compelling trailer, and it's an interesting book. And I'm, it's a November release, so they're already sort of teasing us with Oscar movies. Mm-hmm. I saw this trailer before Money Monster. There was all these right. Oscar because mm-hmm. it's it's Clooney and J- Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. So. I, Watch this trailer, and I'm curious to know what you guys think about this because mm-hmm. it it could it could be spectacular. I don't know. So um, I I, w- I just want to say like the one thing that that sort of I was tentative about is it it really did look like the John Bassalone story from the Pacific, right? And not that that is invalid because I think that people can have the very same story, mm-hmm. but it's like I think that bringing in that element of it's the forgotten wars, I I think if they if they don't bring that element in, I think it's going to feel very much like it's the Pacific. Well, what I'm hoping for, because this is what was in the book, is is that because this Iraq-Afghanistan is so unique because of mainly the technology. Like, you know, you know, Tim, I when we did Afghanistan, talking to you or whatever, like, I'm in these... I remember being in these rooms in, in Afghanistan and Iraq where, the, where soldiers are Skyping back home. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of like my grandfather who fought in world war one and would send a a letter to his mom that took two, three weeks to get, you know, like in world war two, you were gone for two to three years. Mm -hmm. These guys would be fighting and then have a two week leave and get on a plane and be back home in America. And that crazy contrast that we talked about a little bit with hurt locker when he's back looking at the cereal box. And I, you know, you and I talked about it uh, many years ago on the show, but like, the tours that I like comedians, we would always talk about how crazy for different reasons you're there for two weeks and then you're back here. And like, I hope that they do that. You're right, Tim, that, that it should focus. I think if they, if they keep it to the book, the book focuses on this era of war and the, how America, you know, wasn't there was no can drive there was no i mean bush cut yeah. taxes during war like there was no there was no even like and 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 what these guys and this mass media world that we live in and social media and and smartphones you know where 
Like, fuck, go to go to YouTube. You can see firefights. Guys put GoPros yeah. on their helmets and you can see firefights on goddamn YouTube. So it's so much different than the Basalone era. And I hope that's what Ang Lee... That's what it yeah, looks. That's awesome. what it looks. If it's if it's the book and what this trailer looks like, that's what it looks like to me. So. Cool. And watch the Pacific. I'm sure it's the on Pacific Amazon. Awesome, yeah. man. That, that, the, Baz, the the Basalone story is is yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's uh it's and there's the Basalone Road is uh right there down near Camp Pendleton, mm-hmm. and it's right near a really excellent surf spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on DVD, Blu-ray, Dirty Grandpa. Uh, yeah, this is um, paycheck movie for. Uh, uh, a number of uh, different actors. Wow. Robert De Niro and Zac Efron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good for them. Okay. <laughs> the next uh, movie is The Witch. Uh, this one got really mixed reviews. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I, Neil was a little kind of lukewarm on it. It was uh, it was one of those movies where it was like an artsy horror movie. But it was also really creepy. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm, I do want to see it. It, see, felt, yeah. it felt very much like horror purists were uh, decidedly split on this. Right. They either mm-hmm. like, this was awesome, it's it's so cool what they're doing with the genre, or, oh, it was dumb, it was a bad attempt. That's right. kind of the vibe I got yep, from it. me too. Uh, the Program. Now, this is a, an interesting Ben Forster movie about uh, Lance Armstrong doping. And it's a biopic, but what's interesting about it is, judging just from the trailer... Uh, it's a very one-sided biopic. Like, yeah. like Lance Armstrong is is pretty much portrayed as an egotistical maniac who doesn't give a shit about anything and thinks he's never going to get caught. Uh, like, like, but uh, yeah. that's not. I mean, yeah. like, I, like I, that's not that far from the from what it seems. Yeah, but also, you know, he's a cancer survivor. I don't know if it goes into any of the other more human elements of sure. uh, of Lance Armstrong, but that's. It, it really just focuses on uh, a journalist trying to uncover it. So what's interesting is I don't think the movie from the trailer, again, knows what to focus on. Is it the story of the journalist trying to uncover this? Or is it the story of you know Lance Armstrong being an asshole? Or is it some weird combination of, of both? Um, so it went – I don't remember it being in the theaters. It wasn't in the theaters yeah. that long. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is definitely like I, – I hope to see this on a plane because – Ben Forster looks amazing. I, I didn't like, even recognize him. He's yeah. he's just a really amazing actor. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that. So I, I I don't know. This to me, if we're going with the rating system, this really feels like a plane movie. It's a plane movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a plane. Um and now also, Graham, you saw God's Pocket. This right. was uh, one of Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman's final films, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's directed by John Slarity um from Mad Men. Um it's based on a Peter Dexter novel. I've actually read the novel. Yeah. And now what did you think of the novel? The novel was a mess. Um, the thing about the novel was it was such a Philadelphia story. Uh, every scene, it made you feel like you were in Philadelphia. Like living there, I felt like, oh my God, this is cool. In fact, a comedian gave it to me uh, when I moved to LA and said, if you ever miss Philly, read this book. Uh-huh. And, and you know what? In that aspect, absolutely true. Like you read every single page, every single chapter – made you feel like you were in Philly and it because it captured every single detail and nuance. However, it didn't really have a story plot or character. <laughs> so it like the book itself didn't really go anywhere, but it was all atmosphere. Well, I think they 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 basically focused it on they they gave it a, a real clear story in this. Mm-hmm. Um uh 
Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, stepson is killed in a construction accident, um, and his wife, you know, um, is trying to. She she doesn't believe that it was that it was. Um, Chris, was played by Christina Hendricks. Doesn't believe that it was an accident. So to me, it's it's really it's really it's really interesting in terms of the it's great like actor character study. Mm-hmm. Like you watch Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, I've heard a lot of acting teachers when I was like taking about like you don't have to say a lot. And a lot of classic actors, uh, Paul Newman, as we talked about earlier on the show, um, didn't say a lot. There's so many scenes where he's this this blue collar guy in this Philly neighborhood who's a little bit in the criminal area shit happens, you know, and he just, someone will say something to him and he'll just look at him and not say a word. And Holy shit, is it powerful? So there's all these great, just sort of blue collar type guy acting scenes. John Turturro's in it, which is really good. Mm. Um, I won't get too much into it, but there's some story stuff that gets a little like, huh? But for the most part, it's, it's solid acting. It is a cool look into that, that part of Philly. Mm. Um, and you know it's it is a cool little something now, it, to watch on demand or on a, on a streaming service or a DVD or whatever. Because the book was like ninety percent like atmosphere and setting. Like was that how the movie was? Yeah, I mean it's mm-hmm. they shot it in these houses and in these bars and in these businesses, and it's like they really like captured it. captured it. I mm-hmm. mean, you felt like Jesus. This is how these people live, and they you know they went into this one bar, and you're like, oh, that's that's that bar. Right, and there's yeah. a couple dudes in the corner who probably just were like, "Not, le- yeah. well, I'm going to drink here." Yeah, I don't set care. your I don't fucking care every day. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> set your cameras up or don't. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm going to drink yeah. and eat a hard boiled egg right. and play a you know, <laughs> fucking pinball or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting. It's really it's really if you want to see solid acting, it's worth it's worth seeing for that. And they don't make a lot of movies like that anymore. Mm-mm. That's what I felt like. I, I like that. I like when it doesn't get it doesn't have to. You know, we were talking about the blacklist earlier, and I think that a lot of blacklist movies are unsuccessful because they because they're blacklist movies. <laughs> and there's a certain criteria for what makes like, and it, you know, uh, and 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 a lot of t- and I think it's just a, in general. And I'm sorry, I'm going to go off here, but I think in general there's just like there's this like uh, cult of screenwriting now that doesn't allow for something like a character study. Mm-hmm. It just has to be this like very heavy dictated either Robert McGee or shave the cat or whatever it is. Uh, and, and it's, and it just makes a lot of bland stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, and a lot of like you're talking about um, money monster, just not failing to, to hit the, the, the mark. And it might just be because they're hitting every mark, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, and I feel like God's pocket was great. Cause it just felt like a movie that would have been made by David Mamet. Thirty years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. it did. It yeah. did definitely feel like that. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 worth seeing. It's it's really cool. Okay, and on the site spotlight, uh, check out uh, Neil's weekly film news. He's been going through a lot of stuff. Uh, definitely, there's a lot to cover. Uh, check that out. And also, we appreciate all the feedback you guys have been giving us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we really appreciated some great uh, some great comments too. Uh, about upcoming movies and trailers and Civil War. A lot of great feedback on... Uh, a lot of you guys are definitely digging Civil War, which is cool. Cause and we, the we Civil really War spoiler up. We the Civil War spoiler, yeah. We appreciate that, definitely. Um, okay, premiering this week, the Angry Birds movie. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> here's the interesting thing about this. I'm surprised it took this long 
to make an Angry Birds movie because it's been how long has Angry Birds been around? It's been years, and everyone knows what Angry Birds is. I, I feel like we're almost on the other side of it being allowable to make an Angry right. Birds movie. Yes, right. It's like, like it's like all right. Well, really? you know, we're we're I, on to the yeah. next thing. We're yeah. on, we're kind of. I'll give you a great example. So I went and see Money Monster. Uh, I was up in Oregon and I saw it with uh, my niece, and she's in high school. And she just that trailer came out, and she just went, "What." Really? Like they're making that into a movie? Like, <laughs> is anyone like, oh, sweet, the Angry Birds movie? Yeah. Finally, this yeah. video game that's no one's plays anymore is now like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think a smarter thing would have been to maybe like a kids' cartoon like a year or two ago, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little baffling. I, you know, who knows how why it took so long? But uh, I'm, it's I'm not surprised it made. I'm not surprised it was made. Uh, the question is, will it be that successful? Or are kids, have they aged out of Angry Birds? Or is the new generation of kids interested? I don't know. My kids are kind of lukewarm on it. They're like, oh, it looks good, but they're not rushing out to see it. You know, um, they're not as ex- There's other things they're more excited about. So uh, the next one is Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. Uh, you know, this is the one movie CJ and I split on. Uh, he thought it was really fun, the first Sorority uh, or the first neighbors movie i didn't like it i thought it was flat i didn't i didn't really think it was that good uh but he really enjoyed it so i guess he'll be seeing the uh the sequel i will not be so we'll see what cj thinks i'm sure we'll have a review on the site for it great yeah uh, the question does the neighbors the original john g avildsen and and the, from the script from tim kazarinski does it hold up the the dan Aykroyd, john belushi <laughs> i haven't seen that one in forever that movie know. yeah <laughs> i love that movie I it's do too. so weird it's so bizarre uh it's Aykroyd and belushi it, yeah. and tim kazarinski is like a sewage pump yeah guy. like he has a service or something that goes yeah. and like empties out septic tanks <laughs> There's so many weird scenes in that movie that I just always loved, and they flip flop their sort of their characters. Yes, it was like like Belushi was timid, and and he Aykroyd was, was was the wild man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go watch that Sorry. one. Yeah, it's <laughs> good advice. Uh, the nice guys. I have to say, I am starting to come around to this movie. Really, I I'm starting to think it might be okay, judging from who's involved and what what's going on in the trailer uh like the new trailer that i saw i'm like uh, okay um I, i've i've gone from being against it to neutral and now i've gone i'm going to go in with uh, neutral expectations i'm gonna probably see this in a food theater yeah oh well that, that'll jump like up it. your expectations <laughs> so far food theater let's just you know check our tally has there only been one movie you've seen in that theater that you haven't liked, Batman versus Superman? Yeah, it was so bad it ruined. It food. ruined the food. Like even the food didn't <laughs> yeah, taste as good. Comfortable lazy yeah. boy <laughs> chair and the nice food was ruined yeah. by that movie. <laughs> so I'll be curious to see if um, All right. for nice guys. All right. See, see if it uh, if the food helps or hinders. <laughs> I think it'll help it. Um, all right, that's our show, everybody. Yeah. How about it? And uh, if you're going to be in the San Fran area, we're going to see you in a few weeks. Yeah, come on up to San Francisco, guys, uh, June 4th and 7th, and we'll, we'll be there You know, checking out other movies in the festival. We're going to record some episodes up there, interview yeah. some filmmakers. Yeah, we'll be there the whole time. We'll be there. So we're not going to fly back in between. No, we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> we barely can afford the hotels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah. Tim, tell us again where people can see Temps. Uh, it, it's Temps is on iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo, uh, <laughs> all of the different places you can see movies, except don't steal it. Yeah, don't That's be. lame. That's steal- so lame. I, I, like, a day after it came out, I found it on pirate sites. Lame. Just steal a big budget movie. If that's your thing, like, steal a $200 million budget. Like, don't steal an indie film. Like, indie yeah. filmmakers, he needs, he, you guys need. Honestly, it's every penny is counted yeah, yeah. for an indie. You need yes. it so you have much. To, if you have to support those. Um, and where can, you're on social media. I'm on social media, uh, Tim Bennett Huxtable, H-U-X-T-A-B-L-E, uh, on Facebook and Instagram and probably you, you other You made that places. your legal name, So right? why is yeah. that, like, a quick story on why that your name is to, you were born Tim uh, Bennett. Yes, but when I, when my wife and I got married, we didn't want to take either one of each other's names. <laughs> Uh, so we just we thought about the 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 most sort of saccharine TV family uh, that you can find. Coming Cunningham's was a close second to Huxtable, uh, and so so we took the name Huxtable. Where can I go with Cleaver? Oh, <laughs> uh, Cleaver's a cliche. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can find me there. I also have a show on uh, on Verizon Go ninety which is an app you download at the App Store. Uh, it's called Prank Boy. It's a cartoon that I create, co-created with my partner, Bob Harper. Prank Boy at Verizon Go 90. And, uh, oh, at Real Tim Bennett is my Twitter handle. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks, dude. Um, and where, where do you post your recipes? <laughs> Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is Tim Bennett Huxtable. <laughs> You can find all kinds of green crap in mason jars there. Get, get the, off my land. Get off my website. Get, get, the, get the hillbilly uh, recipe book. Yeah. Um, hey, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 30th anniversary. It's out in theaters now. Oh. oh. And that movie, I watched it a few weeks ago. It is great. It holds up in every possible way. Would never be made today for all of the reasons right. we were talking about screenwriting-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mo- so that's good. the movie that made me change my major from marketing to film. I saw that in a the- I was like, this, this, I want to do stuff like this. Oh, that's interesting. Mine was Citizen Kane, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very similar yeah. thematically. This goes to show you where we're coming from. That's just, 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 that sums up this whole fucking company. Did you guys see The Lobster? No, but Neil said he thought it was. Did he thought it was amazing? Yeah, he loved it. It looks fantastic. So I think the review is already up on the site. Okay. The lobster. Oh my! The premise is insane. You know yeah. the premise of this movie? No. Oh my god! Um, if you're not married by a certain age, you have to go to a resort. Oh no! I did see this trailer. This yeah. looks hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to see this. And or or you get turned into the animal that you pick. Yeah. yeah. And it's the director that did Dogtooth. Uh, Colin Farrell is the, mm-hmm. the lead. Yeah. It's great. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I will be headlining the Irvine Improv Sunday, May tw- this Sunday, May twenty second. Uh, Steve Gillespie, who was just on Conan O'Brien, is the feature act, and uh, Jessica Michelle Singleton, who just has a new comedy special out. She's the MC, so it's a solid show. Uh, Sunday, May twenty second, and then of course um, SF Doc Fest, June fourth and seventh. Anything else? Uh, yeah, just in case you've been ordering some stuff from the store, we're a couple days behind on the shipments. If you have ordered anything in the last uh, four or five days, it will be going out tomorrow. Okay, just so you know. Great. Uh, thanks again to uh, Tim Bennett. My name is Graham Elwood. and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first, first. hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs>
Get off my lawn. 